Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Part three today, part three of our series called Stop Believing That. Stop Believing That. Over uh, this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at some things that we've begun to believe. And we've seen that we believe a lot of different things, a lot of different things, but not all of them are true, okay? And that's where the problem becomes. And so in this series, we're taking a look at some of the lies that we've begun to believe, and then we are replacing them with the truth that ultimately comes from God's Word. So here's where we've been. First two weeks, week one uh, was looking at the lie that you're too messed up, too broken, too far gone for God to save. And we saw that that was not true. Last week, we looked at the lie that life won't bring you trouble, all right? The reality is it will. John 16 told us, and last week we saw that God can offer peace peace, even in the midst of brokenness and trouble in this world. So if you missed either one of those parts, you can go back on our website, catch up on the series to be encouraged by that. But here's what we'll start with today. Um, There's one thing that I can say with certainty about every person listening today, and that is this, that at some point in your life, right, some point in your life, you have been hurt, you have been offended, and chances are it was by someone else, right? We live in a broken world, And we are broken, sinful people. Therefore, all of us have been hurt, disappointed, let down in some way. No matter who you are, unfortunately, we all experience that. We all go through it. And for some of you, it's so fresh that it's like last week, like this weekend, maybe at your house, at your workplace, there were words that were said that can't be taken back. And somebody said, I'm sorry, but you're like, I don't know how sorry you really are. And you walk in like today, the Lord's Day with like hurt and pain and disappointment in your life. For some of you, um, it goes back maybe a little more distant than that. It's a family fallout. It's this thing that went down at work. It's this thing with your parents or with your kids. And, and like it's creating real frustration in you and it's not really been reconciled. I mean, like somebody mentioned it briefly, but like there was never a like sit down and let's get this thing to a place of healing. Now, I realize for some of you, it goes much deeper than that. Um, for some of you, this goes all the way back to childhood to when you were in high school, to when you first got married, to when you were a young adult, and it's real pain and real things that you think about that have never really been forgiven. And for some of you, let's just be so real as to say, like, it may have to do with church stuff. Like, we can experience real church hurt because you know what the church is? Not a building. It's a bunch of broken, sinful people. And you put all of us together in a family, and guess what you get? Hurt sometimes. And for some of you, you experience real pain, real hurt. And so today, man, you sit in this reality that like you never thought it would happen to you. You never thought somebody could say this or do that to you, but they did. And here you are. And chances are you think about it probably almost every week and some weeks, maybe every day. You see, it's in those places that we begin to battle this power of forgiveness or not. Whenever we've been hurt like that, not only do we carry it, because that's logical, but you know what we also begin to carry? We also begin to carry some level of anger, bitterness, or frustration towards the person who did that to us, who hurt us. And it hurts because they did us wrong. And for some of us, many of us, we would go, hey, it's okay, like if I never talk to them again, like my life's gonna be okay. It'll be okay if I never see them again. And maybe You don't have to say it out loud, but maybe you've gotten so honest that you got to the place you're like, I kind of wish that they would suffer some of the same level of destruction as to what they did to my life. It drives us there. 
And then we begin to believe this thought, all right, or even the lie of the culture that we don't have to forgive somebody who's hurt us. See, we can really even buy the thought that forgiveness is kind of overrated. I mean, it's not all it's cracked up to be unless you're like chasing this Gandhi-like world mission piece, which probably not many of us are. And so we begin to think normal people in this world, you can't afford to forgive. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You got to work your way to the top. Nobody's really for you. And it just sets me up for hurt again if I was to forgive. Besides that, there are some things in this world, let's just call it, that are unforgivable. They're too far out there. And when we begin to buy into this thought process towards forgiveness, we start thinking things like this. That for me to forgive is really me saying these kind of things. Like, let's say this, for, for me to forgive that person or those people, aren't I just really condoning their behavior? Like, shouldn't I just look at them and go, hey, remember that thing you did? Like, it's really not that big of a deal, right? Some of us can begin to believe that. We think, well, if I forgive them, then I'm acting like it never really hurt. And we're thinking we pretty much just let them off the hook for all that they did, all the destruction that they called. And so we typically think, well, for me to forgive means that I'm condoning what they did. We, we can also believe this. We can think, well, for me to forgive someone, that means I have to forget what they did. You know the old phrase, forgive and what? Forgive and forget. And you're going like, well, if, if me forgiving them means that I forget, uh-uh. Because like I still see them. Maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe every so often. There's no way I can possibly really forget all that they did because every time I see them, that's all I think about. And so we think there's no way we can forgive because if that means forgetting, well, that's probably impossible. Or maybe you go so far as to think this, well, if I forgive them, then we're going to have to restore the relationship also, right? You believe if you were to tell them that you forgave them, then they probably want to get back in a relationship, whatever that relationship looked like, however it was defined. And you're going, you know what? Quite honestly, I don't really want to see them again, much less spend time with them, much, much less have a relationship with them. Or maybe if your hurt goes back a long way, perhaps that person has passed away and you would go, that makes forgiveness impossible, right? You see, we think if we forgive them, then that means reconciliation of your relationship. And you go, if that's not happening, therefore forgiveness is not really coming. And all these thoughts that are so normal for us as fleshly human beings flood our, our mind, and we begin to believe this lie, that I don't really have to forgive someone who hurt me. We buy that. We, I mean, we think things like, well, surely like God gives kind of, there's, there's some level of pass when the offense was that great. I mean, like, Clearly, there's some things that, like, you, you really need to forgive those because they were kind of down here. But, like, not what happened to me. It wasn't a white lie. It wasn't an accident. There was intentionality. There was deep pain, hurt, regret, all of that. So, like, this level, there's, not a, there, there's a pass that I don't really have to extend myself to offer forgiveness for something that deep. And the truth that we're going to see today as God calls us to obedience is that, no, there's, there's actually not a pass. If that's the lie that we've begun to believe, and the truth is that God encourages and calls and commands us to forgive. So here's what I want to do today in the rest of our time is, is I want to answer, give two answers to that question of why, why do I need to stop believing 
that I don't have to forgive someone who's hurt me. Okay, we're going to put two answers on that. We're going to be in multiple passages of Scripture, so if you want to kind of go Bible drill and go quick with me, you can. Otherwise, we'll put the verses on the screen behind me for you to follow. And here's what I'll say. Are you already feeling this at the beginning today? Um, I've communicated it to one of our gatherings already that, like, it's going to feel heavy today, all right? It's, it's going to feel a little heavy. Sometimes we go there. Sometimes it's fun and flowery and positive encouraging, and sometimes it, it rubs up against us, right? And it, and it calls us to truth. But here's what I'll say to you as a student, adult, grandparent, is that, man, if you lean in today and you let God's word, not mine, but God's word speak into your heart and you go, God, I'm listening. I'm here. I want to hear from you. I honestly believe that God could produce freedom in your life in a way that maybe you haven't experienced in a really long time, okay? So it's up to you how you allow this to land on you. But I want to put two answers today on this question of why should we stop believing that we don't have to forgive others? So the first reason we must stop believing that we have to forgive someone who's hurt us is this. We need the effects of forgiveness, okay? We, you and me, we need the effects of forgiveness. And I think there's a lot of effects that happen when you choose to forgive. We're not going to hit all of them today. We're just going to hit a few of them that I believe are important. But you and I, we need the effects of forgiveness. So let's talk about what are some of the effects that happen to us when we forgive, okay? Here's the first one. The first one is forgiveness heals. Forgiveness Heals. When we've been done wrong, there is immediate pain that occurs and continues to exist. We all get that. However, whenever we choose to allow God to take control of the situation and we choose to begin to forgive, it watch, it initiates a healing process that begins to take place. Okay. Um, I was thinking back this week uh, about times when I was a little boy and I was riding my bike, had a bike wreck, okay, or maybe we were playing in the woods, got, you know, hit by a stick or whatever it was, and I, I skinned my leg or my knee or my arm or something, and I went inside, and my mom did what all great moms do. She cared for my bobo, okay? We got to have a good mama that cares for our bobo, and so my mom had, like, this multiple-step process when we were caring for bobos, okay? And the first one started with this little brown bottle with a white cap on top of it, and the label said hydrogen peroxide. Can anybody testify to the hydrogen peroxide? Okay, like holy smokes, that junk burned. Okay, that was the worst. But she was like, You gotta have it on there. I'm like, Mama, it's fizzing and my, my arm's gonna fall off. And she's like, No, 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 you gotta have it. So she would pour that on there and I would survive that. And then, depending on the wound, there would be like a little healing ointment or cream or something to kind of put on the cut. And she'd put that on and then she'd put the band aid on top. And I was like, Okay, whoo, like we lived through that. And I could get through that part. But then here's how it worked at the May household. It ran like this. Depending on how bad the wound was, a certain number of days later, my mom would come to me and she would say, all right, listen, now's the time. We need to probably go ahead and take the Band-Aid off so that it can get some air to finish healing. And I'm like, no, the Band-Aid's fine, okay? Because I'm man enough to say, like, I didn't like taking Band-Aids off, okay? Like, I was sissy. I didn't want you to pull the Band-Aid off, especially when it still had some stickum, okay? So, like, if we're day 17 and I'm in the shower and just like, whoop, there it fell off, that's one thing. But, like, you're pulling that thing intentionally off? Uh-uh, because it's arm hair, leg hair, skin, whatever. And I'm like, I'm okay with the Band-Aid staying on. But my mom would always say this. She'd say, listen, it will never fully heal until we take that Band-Aid off. Here's what I'm saying, church, that for some of you today, the hardest part, just like for me, was taking off the Band-Aid. For some of you, the hardest part of that process of healing is you choosing to forgive. But that relationship, that situation, that heartache, that pain will never fully be healed until you choose to forgive. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says it this way, 
whoever would foster love covers over an offense. They forgive. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You see, when we forgive, we are essentially opening the opportunity to allow our heart and our head to go to a new level of recovery, a new level of healing. And although it does not immediately remove the pain of the offense, it doesn't, it starts us on the road to recovery. Now, we would all be open enough to say that if somebody is physically hurt, it doesn't make logical sense for them not to seek medical attention, correct? And in the same way, Scripture says it's true with forgiveness that we must seek healing. And forgiveness doesn't always shortcut the healing process, but what it does do is it does prevent unnecessary additional pain in that relationship and situation. So what does forgiveness do? In effect, it heals. Here's the second thing. Forgiveness frees. Forgiveness brings freedom. You know how the situation goes. They say that thing. They do that thing that hurts us. So what happens? We get hurt feelings or it upsets us and immediately our default emotion is to turn to some level of anger. And then what happens in us? We begin to develop just these negative vibes towards that person. Like we scroll by their post on Facebook and we just start reading all into it. Ooh, I hit, I hit a nerve right there. All right. Or, or we see them at the office, or we, or we pass them on the road, or we, we get a text message from them. All of a sudden, those vibes begin to come into us. And whether we realize it or not, those feelings begin to not only affect that relationship, but they begin to affect other parts of our life as well. They begin to rob you of joy. They begin to change who you associate with, because you can't have anything to do with anybody who has anything to do with them. It begins to change different, us, different other aspects of our life, and slowly it begins to create a personal prison of bondage for our life. And the whole time, all we can think about is how bad that person hurt us, how wrong they were, and how much better we deserve. That's what we're thinking. But the whole time, what's harboring inside of us is feelings of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness because we fail to forgive the one who's done us wrong. And we hold on to what we believe, what you believe, what I'll believe are proper feelings. Well, I'm right to feel this way. I'm justified in how I feel. But the main person that we're doing damage to is ourselves. I heard an old quote, maybe you've heard the phrase before too, that hanging on to bitterness or refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. Just doesn't make sense. You see, unforgiveness holds us as a slave, but Scripture would tell us that God has created us to enjoy life in Him. God says, in me, when you rest in me, when you walk in my truth and my purposes, there is a fullness of joy. But Satan does what? He's called the father of lies, and he sells us the lie. There's no way you can forgive them. Oh, do you know what they did to you? And when we buy the lie, we rob ourselves of the joy that God intended for us to have. Here's what Psalm 16, verse 11, it says it this way. It says, you make known, God, you make known to me the path of life. And you, God, you can fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God says, in me, in my presence, when you follow me, is a fullness of joy. But when you choose not to forgive, you lock yourself in a prison of bondage outside of the presence and the joy of God. And listen to me, some of you, you're here today, you're listening today, and and your life is void of a real joy. You are. 
You're like, man, why do I wake up to this feeling every single day? But yet, you're harboring unforgiveness towards somebody in your life. And maybe God's using this message today to connect the dots. See, it all makes sense. See, forgiveness heals, but forgiveness can also produce freedom for you. And I believe God wants you to know that freedom. There's a third effect um, of forgiveness, and that is forgiveness humbles. Forgiveness will humble you. Okay, when someone has done us wrong, we fail to forgive them. The forgiveness we hold on to always carries with it this, this sense of pride and entitlement. It's just wedged in there with it. Because the longer you hold something over someone, the longer you feel right in your posture over them. And so we start thinking, well, they need to know how sorry they are, how sorry they should be. We need to know how bad it hurt me. And so we hold this posture over them. And we go, I'm just going to let that sit there for a little. I'm just going to let them sit in that because they deserve to. And see, we harbor this and we allow entitlement and pride to overtake us. But Proverbs would give us this wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18 says it this way. Pride, pride goes before destruction. And a haughty or a prideful spirit happens before a fall. See, when we fail to forgive we walk in pride that we are above them. And the truth is today that pride and entitlement will never produce freedom. It'll never bring the freedom that we just talked about. Although we may think that we're above forgiving them, although it may feel good to our flesh to kind of keep them pinned underneath. Uh-huh, we're not going to talk about it. I'm going to let you know how bad it made me feel. Listen, it will never produce freedom. It'll never produce that. Now, God's word offers instruction over and over and over. If you read it, it's a call to humility called a humility. For those of us who follow Jesus, Jesus walked in great humility. And humility means not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, okay? You ain't all that at a bag of chips. That's what Paul's saying. But listen to me. One of the greatest weapons, one of the most powerful weapons in the fight against thinking too highly of yourself is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because when you forgive, it will always humble you. Forgiveness has a lot of different effects. We just did three. Healing, Freedom, humility. And I believe that God wants all of us, men, women, students, adults, grandparents, he wants all of us to experience that freedom, to know that healing, to find humility. But it only happens when we begin to walk towards forgiveness obediently. So that was reason number one. Second reason that we stop believing that you don't have to forgive someone, the reason that really unforgiveness is not an option is this, that we, you and I, are the recipients of forgiveness that we are the recipients of great forgiveness. Paul says it this way, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. You can write the reference down. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, you are holy, you are dearly loved, so do this. Take this action. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul says, since you are God's children, then these things should be growing in your life. And he gives us this list, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And then he says, oh yeah, but don't forget. Learn to walk in forgiveness of others. He says, if you've received the grace and the forgiveness of God, then you should then, in return, give that same grace and forgiveness back. Now, we're in the middle of the so-called Bible Belt today, right? At church. 
So I'm well aware that, man, if I was to poll the room today and go, hey, raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus, if you would claim to be a Christian today, raise your hand. All right, almost everybody in the room is probably raising their hand, which means that you've come to a place in your life where you go, sin, I got it. Sinner, that's me. Need the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Come save me. All right? But what we sometimes can forget in this life that we live is that if you live in Christ, it is only because of the grace and forgiveness of God that you have life. That is the reason. Maybe you're thinking, well, no, 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 listen, I know that. I've been hearing that since I was in Sunday school when I was a little kid. Listen to me. And that same truth must hold the same value as the very first day that you stepped into it. The moment that it becomes old hat, what we talk about at church, you've arrived at a very dangerous place. Because the core of the gospel, the, the message of this book is that you and I were, were, were dead, not physically, but spiritually. And it was worse because we, we were not just media, not just for a temporary season separated from God, but we were eternally separated from him. And there was nothing that we could do about it. Nothing. But Romans 5, in that moment, God did what? But God rescued us in that moment. And he redeemed us and he saved us and he gave us new life in him. And then that moment, it changed everything. everything. It's the greatest news that you and I could hear today. But so often we hear it and we go, it's good. It's good. And I'm saying today that if that ever loses the weight and the value in our life, that we've arrived at a really dangerous place. So, if Jesus' grace is true, which the word says is 100,000% true, and if you and I claim to be followers of Jesus, which most likely almost all of us do, then the only reason that you and I live is because of the forgiveness of God. So it only makes logical sense that we would then in return extend that same forgiveness to others. See, Paul would go on to say it this way in the New Testament, Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. It required a sacrifice. It is the forgiveness of sins. That's the gift in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In other words, it was the most expensive thing he could offer, and he went, here it's free for you. Colossians 1 verse 13, Paul says it this way, for he, Jesus, he has rescued us, put your name there, he's rescued you from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption. What does that mean, Paul? It means the forgiveness of sins. Church, listen to me, forgiveness has been overwhelmingly poured in our favor. So therefore, we're called to forgive. And for us to choose to not forgive is to say to God, we don't really desire forgiveness for what we've done. So we justify it by thinking, well, what someone did to me was worse than what I've done. That's how we play. Remember week one, like we categorized the level of sins and we go, well, listen, like what, what I did, like, yes, I think God could forgive that. But oh, what they did to me. That's a whole new level, and week one totally took away that lie. It says that God sees all sin the same, and his grace covers them all, which means his grace covered all of your sin. Therefore, that same grace must be extended to others. And I want you to hear how the psalmist 
talks about the character of God. We sang about him earlier today, way maker, light in the darkness. This is what the psalmist says about God. Listen to his character. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord, our God, he is compassionate and he's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. That's good news. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, thank you God, or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's really high, so great is his love for you, for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities, our wrongdoings from us. Did you catch it? Did you make that list? Character of God, slow to anger, not accusing not a keeper of anger, not treating us as we deserve, not repaying and seeking revenge, and God has removed our sins as far as we can imagine. That is forgiveness. You want a definition of forgiveness? There it is, Psalm 103. So here's my question to you and me today as we take the word and put it into our lives. Is that what your forgiveness of others looks like? That situation with the ex, the coworker, the child, the parent, the old best friend. Is that what your forgiveness looks like? Because if I know us, like I think I do, because I'm one of you, our forgiveness many times sounds more like, well, I'll think about forgiving them if they'll come and do this and say this to me. Well, I'll think about forgiveness, but when I get ready on my terms at my time. Well, I'll think, I promise, like, we'll, I'll forgive them. I heard what's preached, I'll forgive. But if they meet these expectations and start living this way, then, then I'll choose to forgive. And here's the problem. We decide to base our forgiveness on conditions. Whew, but aren't we grateful that God's forgiveness to us wasn't based on conditions? You see, ultimately, forgiveness isn't dependent. Don't miss this. It isn't dependent on what they do, it's dependent on what you do. It's dependent on you and me. And I heard it put this way recently, that when we refuse to forgive, we are ultimately saying that we're better than God because God forgave when he didn't have to. So therefore, we must walk in that same truth. And if you today, if you really honestly desire to find healing and freedom and to reflect on the grace that's been offered to you, the forgiveness that's been given to you, then we must choose forgiveness. Matthew um, chapter 5 through 7, Jesus preaches the greatest sermon of all time, right? In, In church world, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of that message, he, he writes some verses or speaks some words that are ultimately written down by Matthew um, that are what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And if you've been in the Bible Belt long enough, you've not only read the Lord's Prayer, you've quoted it like a dozen or 1,500 times, right? Like in a locker room or it's posted like on a plaque in your office or at your house, like it's the Lord's Prayer, like you say it Thanksgiving with the family before the meal, whatever that looks like. And we love to speak that truth. And it's great because it's a guide for how to pray. But do you know what comes right after the next two verses, right after that overly quoted prayer? Do you know what they are? I'm going to read them to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Here's what Jesus says right after the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, isn't that great news? Verse 15. 
But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In other words, if I'm reading Jesus right, if you don't forgive others, God can't fully forgive you. That's a strong statement. Jesus' words, not mine. But Jesus was trying to help us understand this, that our horizontal relationship with others, as imperfect as that may feel, our horizontal relationship with others is just as important as our vertical relationship with him. If you want to know why there's frustration maybe in your vertical relationship with God, have you checked your horizontal relationship with others? Or if you want to know why you can't live horizontally in unity and peace with others, have you checked your vertical relationship with God? Now, I realize for some of you, like you go, you know what, like preach the message about forgiveness because I have. Like I got wrong, it was the ex, the child, the coworker, I got wrong and I forgave. And then they did it again. And I've forgiven two times, four times, five times, ten times. But like this time, it's reached the end. I don't, I've hit my limit. I don't think I got any more to give. What do you say to that? Well, actually, Peter in the New Testament asked that very question to Jesus, and maybe it's for you today. Okay? Peter asked Jesus this question, Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked him this: Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Good question. Then Peter just throws out a number. Up to seven times. How about that, God? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, now don't get too literal. Jesus isn't saying, say, I forgive you 77 times. But what he's saying here is instructions to Peter are that your forgiveness should have no limits. It doesn't matter if you've forgiven once before, five times before, 10 times before, your forgiveness must grow to become unconditional. Why? Because that's the forgiveness that you were given by God. Unconditional. That's a hard truth to chew on. You see, here's the thing. You and I, we need the effects of forgiveness, freedom, healing, humility. We also must forgive because we have been the recipients of extravagant forgiveness. But I know you've, you've heard the truth of God's word today, and you're, you're thinking about those effects, how you need that in your life. You're going, yeah, God's forgiven me. But for some of you, okay, I, I don't want to miss this. For some of you, you go, I hear all that. That's great. You got fired up. Appreciate the truth. But you don't know me. You don't know my story. And what happened to me, what went down weeks ago, months ago, years ago, it's, it's probably unsurmountable. And I don't know that I'll ever really be able to forgive that person, those people, for what happened. I want to say to you, like, I, I understand as much as I can. I get that that's a real feeling that perhaps many of us maybe more than care to admit battle. So I want to give you all right, a last bit of hope and encouragement for your life today. Um, it's going to come from Luke 23. I'll read from there in just a moment. But here's what's happening in Luke 23. All right? It's Jesus moments right before his crucifixion. And he's been falsely accused, okay, but declared guilty. He's been beat with a whip with spikes on it. He's had a crown of thorns forced into his head. They put a cross on his back. He's carried it all the way to a hill called Golgotha. And then they've nailed him to this cross. And here's what happens in Luke 23. He records those moments like 
big time moments. Luke 23, verse 32, it says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. Verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him, Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. In verse 34, Jesus said, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Church, in the greatest moment of hurt and of pain, with the sin of the whole world, including you and me, on his innocent shoulders, Jesus' response was he chose to forgive others. I mean, let's be real. Like in this moment, boom, just like that, Jesus could have called down an army of angels to rescue him. In this just boom moment, he could have spoken words and the soldiers could have been the ones on the cross. For some reason, that's not what he did. Instead, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And when he healed all power and all authority, he prayed for forgiveness towards others in his greatest moment of hurt and pain. And here's what I would say to you. I don't know the heartache and the brokenness and the pain that you've been through that you're in right now. I don't understand it fully. But here's what I do know. The Savior of the world who died a real death on a real cross for you in your place, he can and he will give you the strength and the wisdom and the power to break the bondage of unforgiveness in your life if you will let him, if you'll choose that. So today, if you've been believing that for some reason you didn't have to offer forgiveness, may I, may I encourage you through the truth of God's word? Stop believing that. And instead, instead, choose to lean in and take a step towards the truth and the freedom that only comes through forgiveness. Let me pray for you this morning. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.